0: Dear family members and friends of First Lutheran Church, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, who invites you to a wedding banquet of all banquets. Amen. T'was the week before Christmas, 1978, my senior year at Augustana, and all through the apartment not a creature was stirring, except for the snoring of my two roommates, Rolf and Rudy, who just crashed after taking their last finals. But something else, I must admit, was also stirring, namely, my stomach. for I was about to propose to Kathy before she flew home the next day, to her home in Northwest Montana for Christmas break. Now, earlier that evening, just before leaving Norman's menswear where I was working. I told my colleagues, well this is the night. The invitation of all invitations. Now I thought it all out. The small yellow Formica top kitchen table was set with candlelight. Some James Taylor was readied on the turntable, of course. And I can't remember if the entree was pot pies or if it was TV dinners, but I'm sure they were the banquet kind. And I did have some champagne I picked up next to, as you'll recall, Norman's as I made my way home. Call me optimistic. Probably knew better, but Kathy said yes. She got tearied, I got a bit tearied, and even James Taylor began to sing shower the people. But, darn it, if I couldn't pop that champagne open, hunching down over the bottle like some bodybuilder, you know, at a pose down, trying and determined not to be outsmarted by a piece of cork. Well, boom, That sucker shot straight out of the bottle like a missile and it nailed me right below my right eye. Soon I was sporting this rather nice shiner. Now imagine the howls of laughter from my colleagues the next day like Tom and Bob and Gary Terry as I walked into work with this black eye. No really guys, she said yes, I mean she said yes. Now, invitations can take a form of words over the phone, like, hey, Dave, I have some tickets for the Vikings game next week in the Twin Cities. I'm not going to be able to use. I've run out of rollades. You can have them. <laughs> or invitations can take the form of words embossed on fancy paper, like Mr. and Mrs. Joe Skeptical request your presence at the wedding of their daughter. To receive an invitation is to be honored. They imply, or at least they should, that your presence matters, that you are chosen. But the most incredible invitations are not found in envelopes or emails, Instagrams, or through some texting. Not even over a bottle of champagne. They're found in the Bible. You can't read the plot line of God saving history without hearing God issuing invitations all over the place. For example, in Isaiah chapter 1, Come, says the Lord, let us talk about these things. For your sins are red as scarlet, but I will make them to be white as snow. Or again in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, Come, come unto me, all of you who are heavy burdened and tired, and I will give you rest. Or in our gospel lesson for today, in in chapter 22, we hear the king saying, Come to the wedding feast. Indeed, God is an inviting God. The God revealed to us in Christ Jesus, who loves to stand before the open door of his kingdom, inviting and enfolding his beloved children, who are oft running on empty, to come to his table of grace. As the psalmist says to us this day, thou preparest a table before me, O Lord, my cup overflows. However, God's invitation is not just for a dinner. It's for life. It's an invitation to come into his kingdom and take up residence in a world that's filled with hope. We're finally to draw upon the promise proclaimed by Isaiah in our first lesson. The Lord God will swallow up death forever and will wipe away tears from all Places. Did you hear that universal invitation? All faces. Isaiah wants to emphasize this when he again says, The Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of fatted things. Here is this personal, universal invitation to be in a covenant, a faithful, relationship with God and all people. And so Jesus' use of a parable about a wedding. Now in the last week of his life before his crucifixion, Jesus offered three parables about urgent invitations. This morning we hear the third. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a marriage feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who had been invited to the marriage feast, but they would not come. Again, the king sent out other servants. Tell those who are invited, behold, I've made ready my dinner. Come to the marriage feast. Now in this parable you see God is the king. The son, or bridegroom, is Jesus. And the invited guests are the scribes and Pharisees, an allusion to a long history of idolatry and unfaithfulness among God's chosen people. So what happens? Well, some blow off or diss the invitation. Others reflect our times by saying, I'm too busy. I have other more important things to be about. And others actually kill the servants who bear this invitation. Alluding here not only to the prophets of old, but also a foretelling of Jesus' crucifixion. So let me ask you, have you ever wondered how Jesus must have felt as he told these parables? If you've ever had a personal invitation ignored or scoffed at, you know. Who'd want to go to their party? Really? Are you kidding me? And so can you hear the voice of the one who has been scorned and ridiculed, who showed us the heart of God and wept, O Jerusalem, 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 killing the prophets and stoning those who are sent to invite you into God's kingdom. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wing, and you would not. Like a mother, Jesus calls to his children to come, to come and have dinner, especially here, like these scribes and Pharisees who represent the apple of the eye, Israel. And no one, no one shows up. My friends, it must grieve God deeply when we reject his invitation to be in close relationship with him, neglecting to read his love letters in Holy Scripture, giving him the cold shoulder by not talking to God in prayer not coming to his table where it has meant the death of him in order to prepare it. This is my body. This is my blood, given and shed for you, says Jesus. And how do we respond? Too busy? Return to sender? In a collection of essays entitled, Teaching a Stone to Talk, American author Annie Dillard gives, I think, a rather stunning observation concerning the life of worship today. Annie writes, On the whole, I do not find Christians outside of the catacombs of the first century sufficiently sensitive of our condition. Does anyone have the foggiest idea what sort of power we so blithely Invoke as sinners who are sick unto death. Or as I suspect, does no one believe a word of it? Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares, lashing us to our pews. Are we humble stewards on this storm-tossed ship called the SS Church? Or are we complacent, arrogant, scrooges, So writes Dillard. So here in the temple, Jesus is telling this parable of the wedding feast, once more churning the tables on all the idolatry and greedy consumption of the Pharisees and scribes, much like the autonomy of life, of self-law, individualism in our own time, where human chutzpah adds and subtracts from the law that God has given through Moses and the prophets, from the days of building Babel Towers to putting one's bullish trust in stock market performances. And so we together with the Pharisees and scribes turn our backs on the grace they saw and heard of God's kingdom that was at hand in Jesus' presence and they nailed those holy hands to a cross. However, Jesus overcame that sin and death and handed his empty grave clothes to his disciples. That's to each one of you. To go and baptize, making disciples, like Philip and Nathanael, with a simple come-and-see invitation The invitation that continues to go and enfold this baptismal robe of righteousness around those who, like Adam and Eve, upon hearing God's voice, realize they're stark naked in this world. They're struck dumb and speechless. Friend, says the king, how did you get in here without a robe? You know the way a policeman says it just before he asks you if you know (laughs) how fast you've been going? Family and friends in Christ. God is not looking for just warm bodies. God is looking for wedding guests. Those who will rise to the occasion of honoring Christ, the bridegroom, as his church. Those who regularly come to the wedding feast of fatted things in worship. To hear the forgiveness of sin and receive a word of hope of new life. To be reminded when you've forgotten or feel forgotten, do this in remembrance of me, says he, the one who calls you his beloved daughter, his beloved son. To be reminded that you've been clothed in his baptismal water, made righteous, as Paul says in Galatians 3, of putting on Christ, that you are children of God, chosen, blessed, given, always, and never to be afraid of being cast into any outer darkness of the oft hellish conditions of life, especially of a COVID world. My friends, you're not speechless. You have something to say. That is, I am a child of God, and I have been baptized into Christ's death and resurrection. In this, I hope. And so as those born anew this day into a living hope, as stewards of the mysteries of God, you are called to rise to the occasion of this wedding invitation, breaking into song, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And that praising of God, sharing the good news that continues through you, that continues through you, enfolding your neighbor in ministry and mission, giving hope for those who are dying to hear. Clothed in Christ's baptismal robe of righteousness. And so this day and always, St. Paul bestows this blessing upon you. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, my joy, my crown, stand firm and rejoice in the Lord always. Let all people know of your forbearance as faithful stewards of the kingdom, setting anxiety aside by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, knowing that the God of peace is always with you. In this, we hope we live. And in this hope, we give. And now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding... Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.